You're listening to Radio Looks List, and I'm your host, Steve Matthews. Thanks for joining me for episode 78. The title of this episode is Goodbye and Good Riddance. COVID crisis brings out true colors of bogus boomer rebels. So I hope everybody's been having a good weekend so far. Here we are on Saturday night. It's, uh, well, let's see, it's about 9.20 p.m. on Saturday January 29th, 2022. It's great to be with you here today, uh, both on the live stream and also for anyone who is uh, listening to the podcast. Thanks for joining me. Really appreciate having everybody here. Um, Well, I I guess maybe to start off with here to say, I I guess it's winter, right? So, you know, here we are. It's it's the end of January. And and there's some kind of good and bad in in that sort of being in in the end of January. Now, of course, January and February here in Cincinnati, it's uh, frankly just kind of crummy, boring weather. That's just the way it is. Um, you talk to anybody around here, they probably tell you that the January and February are, are probably some of the least favorite months of the year. And, you know, I can understand that. I mean, I'm not a big winter fan myself. I don't like all the dark and all that. But, you know, there is always one hopeful thing. And that is, well, at least one. And, and that is, I can tell, it's staying light later. In fact, I think we've picked up pretty close to 40 minutes of daylight in the evening, of course, uh, December 21st is the shortest day of the year. And we pick up approximately one minute in the evening and one minute in the morning. So we've picked up a total of about 80 minutes in terms of, uh, of additional daylight just uh, in the last oh, roughly 40 days. So that's pretty nice. And you can really see the difference. You know, I sit down and eat supper now and it's still light out. Uh, that's pretty nice. Always enjoy that. So that's really great. You know, the other thing that's been great here about January, at least for me, is I've had a chance to really uh, get into to doing a little bit more in terms of learning about video making and cameras and all of this other stuff, studio setup. Yeah, it's just awesome how much I don't know. It's it's really humbling. You know, sometimes you know you just kind of get on here and you start doing things. And I realize, you know, I've never really been trained in doing this and I've kind of put some things together, you know, things I've learned here and there. But I'm finding additional information. Uh, there's a lot of great YouTube videos on video making and, and how to take advantage of uh, various uh, oh technology and, and features that you find on some of the, the video services like YouTube or Odyssey or Rumble, these kinds of things. And uh, I'm learning and uh, I'm taking a course on uh, actually on, on filmmaking right now. It's one I bought about a year ago. I think I may have mentioned that last week. And I mean, I've just only gotten into I'm probably less than a, maybe 20% of the way through it. But I've learned so much already. I mean, just in terms of, of camera, ideas about cameras and things like that. The lighting that I've got going here now, I was able to finally get my lighting up and going. And man, I mean, the lighting is so much better than what it was. I mean, I, I mentioned that last week. It was the first week that I did with the, the new lighting setup. And last, I was looking at the videos and just comparing my video from last week to the videos in, in prior weeks and months that I had done. And I mentioned this. I, I you know, I, I think I always felt like I looked like I was sitting in in a cave doing videos by candlelight. That's kind of how it was. Well, these things, these, these lights I got on right now, they're they're wonderful. Got rid of all the shadows. Um, you know, we can actually you know see my face. You know, it's not shadows all over my face and that kind of thing. And uh, no, it's it's just it's been great, and it's it's really exciting to have an opportunity to to grow in that area. And I hope to continue to get better. You know, it reminds me a little bit of. I remember when I took German when I was in college, you know, and, and, and in this respect, I never expected to find myself doing this kind of thing or even actually finding myself kind of enjoying it. 
And it's really has been been a lot of fun to start to to learn a whole new language, a whole new you know set of uh, set of ideas in terms of how you run video and and there's just so much. I mean, not not only is it about learning how to use your cameras, use lighting, these sorts of things. Then you get into the whole area of okay, well, you know, how do you edit videos? How do you post videos? You know, what are some things you can do to help your stats online? These kinds of things. Sometimes it can seem a little bit overwhelming, but you just got to practice a little bit at a time. I mentioned that uh, last week that I'm not going to be live streaming on on YouTube anymore, and I'm not right now. I'm I'm live streaming on Facebook and on D Live as as well as on Twitter, and I hope to maybe add some additional to uh, additional live streaming outlets at some point, but not right this moment. I think what I'm going to do, I'm going to keep my YouTube channel. I want to keep that channel. And what I'd like to do is maybe use it to start posting some shorter videos, maybe doing something on economics or maybe something on, uh, maybe some Bible lessons, something like this. I, I do want to keep that channel. I want to keep it active and I want to keep doing it uh, on a regular basis, but I'm not going to be posting news commentary on there because I don't think there's any way that I could talk about the things that I need to talk about in the way that I need to talk about them and, and put it out there on YouTube because it's just going to create issues and I, I don't see any reason to. I, I don't want to self-censor. I mean, that's, I think, the worst thing I can imagine. If I'm going to self-censor, then, well, then I, I don't know there's a lot of reason for me to be doing this. I mean, you can find censored news just about anywhere. I want to bring you, to the best of my knowledge, uh, what is true and, and right and correct. And I'm not going to not talk about certain things. And unfortunately, on YouTube right now, there are just things that you cannot talk about and, uh, and uh, have any chance of, of maintaining your channel. So uh, that's uh, so the YouTube live stream is going to go by the wayside, but there's still a lot of other things that you can talk about that I can talk about. I believe that I I believe will not create issues on there. So that's why I'm, I'm making that change. And what I'm doing is I'm taking down my videos, uh, the live streams that I have out there on the YouTube channel, and I'm reposting them right now to Odyssey and to Rumble. I'm also going to be posting them. I plan on to BitChute as well. So those three outlets will have all the past videos and uh, lord willing i will will also be posting uh, recordings of the the live stream as well on those uh, those outlets so enough about that for the time being so here i am for another week i'm talking about covid now i don't know about you but i get thoroughly sick of covid i really do yeah I, I get tired of hearing about it i get tired of talking about it and yet it seems like there's just so much compelling information out there on it that I feel like I have to at least at least talk about it. I mean, there are other things going on in the world. I mean, there's, you know, this last week, you know, there were, we're probably closer to war with Russia than we've been for a long time. And we've got this ongoing immigration disaster on America's southern border brought about 100% by the Biden regime. Maybe I should call it the Bergoglio regime because Joe Biden's just carrying out Pope Francis policies. So there, there's that giant mess that's going on. I think what I plan on doing, because there there is some noteworthy news on that this week, I'd like to maybe go ahead and write a blog post on that tomorrow on, on Sunday the 30th. That may be my, my blog post on Sunday, uh, my weekly blog post. Anyway, there's there's that whole thing going on. Then there's just the, the big fail of the Biden regime generally. I mean, this this administration is a mess, which isn't surprising because it's an illegitimate regime. Uh, I, I believe, and it has been my position since uh, the 2020 presidential election, that that election was stolen. I think very obviously it was stolen. Yeah, so there's that whole issue going on right now. Uh, we've got a Supreme Court vacancy. There's uh, Stephen Breyer. He retired this week. 
so there's going to be a spot open there. And of course, you know, the Biden uh, folks have stepped right up and they've said that they're going to make sure that it's going to be a, a black woman and there's nobody else need apply. So there's, there's that whole issue. And, and these are all things that are worth talking about and, and should be talked about. But I'm going to I decided to do a little bit more of a deep dive on COVID just because, again, I think that there were some substantial things that came out this past week that I think are at least worth discussing and probably discussing in a little bit more detail than I could if I were were dealing with maybe multiple topics here today. So let me go ahead and get started with this. The first thing I wanted to talk about, and this is just the the title of the, the piece here, that is COVID crisis brings out true colors of bogus boomer rebels. It's really been interesting how there is a bit of a a pattern developing here where you have people who have this uh, sort of this bad boy persona Oh, you know, we're going to rebel against the establishment. You know, I'm thinking maybe back at some of the old 60s, 70s rockers, you know, some of these people. And yet here we are at a time when you've got real authoritarian government bearing down on us and they have become the man. You know, there was that commercial. I don't know. It was a few years ago and I, I don't remember even now who what company it was for, but it was this this dialogue and there was this old man sitting behind a desk and he was like a like a corporate you know, CEO, big shot or something like this. And, and he talks about, you know, it was my little way of sticking it to the man, you know, and this young sort of assistant says to him, he says, but sir, you are the man. I just thought that was a funny commercial. And, and that, that's kind of like what these, these boomer types have become. And I, I have three examples here of, of what I'm talking about. One of them is Howard Stern. Now, Howard Stern has never been somebody that I've followed. And never somebody I cared for. I think he's a very vulgar man. He's certainly far from from being a Christian or being anybody that uh, that would interest me. A little screen share here. Okay, yeah, here we go. All right, so here's a, there's a an article here in uh, this is on Yahoo News. I think Tucker Carlson talked about this too. In fact, I know he did. I think it was about a week back, but but Tucker Carlson talked about this this very issue. And here's the headline. Howard Stern says unvaccinated people shouldn't have access to hospitals if decision was left up to him. And this article just gives a, a few bullet points, some, some of the low lights of what Howard Stern had to say. So Howard Stern says unvaccinated people shouldn't have access to hospitals. So, yeah, you, you should get, uh, get sick or get hurt. Well, yeah, that's just too bad uh, in, in Howard, Stern's, uh, Howard Stern's view. During the Howard Stern show, the host said if it was up to him, the unvaccinated would go home and die. Well, that's a, that's a lovely sentiment there. Thank you, Howard. We really appreciate that. Stern had previously been vocal about anti-vaxxers and being in favor of mandatory vaccination. So, so, so Howard Stern loves Big Brother. I think that was the whole goal. If you remember in 1984, it, it wasn't enough just to, to go along with Big Brother. You had to love Big Brother. Well, Howard Stern seems like he loves Big Brother. You know, and here's this guy who's, who's, you know, he's been this shock jock, you know, he wants to challenge, I guess, morals and you know, challenge the establishment and, you know, make fun of, I don't know, all the rubes and fly over country or something like this. And yet, you know, here it comes where we've, like I say, we've got a real case of COVID authoritarianism, threats, credible threats, as they say, from the Biden administration of uh, really doing some uh, terrible things that violate not just the Constitution, but basic Christian morality, enforcing people to take vaccines and imposing vaccine passports and some of this really awful stuff that we read about. Uh, but Howard Stern's all for that. He thinks that that stuff is just great. You know, he acts like this big tough guy, but then he runs like a like a scared little girl when it comes to to dealing with COVID. 
And, and, and of course, then he wants to abuse people who, uh, who refuse to go along with, with taking the poison death shot. And what a pathetic man he is. I, I'm just absolutely just disgusted with Howard Stern. Now, the, the next one that, we want, that I want to talk about, of course, and this actually probably got the most coverage this past week, is Neil Young. Of course, Neil Young's the old boomer rocker. I guess he wants to keep on rocking in the vaxxed world. Well, just kind of a takeoff on one of the titles of one of his songs. But here's a headline. This is from the New York Times. Neil Young posts and removes a letter demanding Spotify remove his music. And let's see if we read through here. A letter briefly appeared on Monday on Neil Young's website that asked to remove his music from Spotify, according to Rolling Stone. In protest of the platform streaming of the podcaster Joe Rogan, who has been dismissive of the coronavirus vaccine. Well, I don't know if I would say Joe Rogan's been dismissive about it. I think that he's asked some good questions and he's brought some people on that have raised some very good questions and I think brought some very good proof that those vaccines are unsafe and are ineffective. Ineffective. I guess maybe maybe that's what this author means by being dismissive. Uh, I think when you talk about something being dismissive, it's when you just kind of do it out of hand with no proof, you know, just all sorts of uh, maybe preconceived ideas and in not really subjecting your your opinions to any kind of critical thought. Well, I think Joe Rogan has, and he's brought some of the world's leading experts on vaccinations in and sat down with uh, with them for, th- you know, for a good three, maybe four hours doing his podcast show. So I, I don't know if he's been dismissive. I, I don't know that I would use that term, but you know, maybe I'm reading too much into that comment. I don't know. But anyway, let's, here's, here's Neil Young's Uh, I guess this is a quote from the letter that Neil Young posted. Quote, I'm doing this, that is requesting that Spotify remove his music. I'm doing this because Spotify is spreading fake information about vaccines, potentially causing death to those who believe the disinformation being spread by them. End quote. Mr. Young wrote according to Rolling Stone. Quote, please act on this immediately today and keep me informed of the time schedule. They can have Rogan or Young, not both. Well, I guess the old rocker, uh, he managed to cancel himself. (laughs) It kind of looks like to me. He managed to, I guess that's, this is self-cancellation. You know, we, we've had this whole thing where you've got, you know, some of these social media platforms and they're yanking people off and shutting down their YouTube channels and banishing people to the outer darkness with his weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well, Joe, um, Neil Young did that to himself because here's a, here's a story. And this is just a couple days later from the first one. This is awesome in the New York Times. This is from, let's see. Oh, well, from today, the 29th. Now, January 29th. And the headline here, it says, Spotify is removing Neil Young songs after complaints of misinformation. The singer decided to leave the streaming service because it gives a platform to Joe Rogan, whom scientists have accused of promoting falsehoods about coronavirus vaccines. Okay, well, which scientists? Because some of the best immunologists, some of the most knowledgeable people on vaccines on the planet have backed Joe Rogan. And have opinions that are very similar to what he, he, he talks about and have gone on his show. So there are some very prominent scientists that say, yeah, you know, Joe Rogan's pretty much spot on on this. But scientists, you know, as if it's all scientists. And no, it's not all scientists. You know, some scientists have accused him of promoting falsehoods, but some scientists have uh, agreed with Joe Rogan and appreciate his stance on it. So Spotify said on Wednesday they'd begun removing the singer and songwriter's music from the streaming service. You know, and again, you know, this is just a guy, you know, he's, I've never been a big Neil Young fan. I mean, I've heard some of his stuff. I know some of his songs. You know, he's been around as a, as a singer for a long time. You know, he's, so he's a prominent guy. And again, you know, he's another one of these, these boomers, tries to be a boomer bad boy. And yet, you know, when it comes, when push comes to shove, he's on the side of the man. Here's, here's a chance to actually stand up and rebel and actually do some good. 
And instead, you know, he just, he goes along with the man. And it's, it's pretty sad. You know, this is, this is a whole thing that just drives me nuts. It's like when I go, I live fairly close to the, the high school, uh, the local high school here. Sometimes, you know, when, when school gets out, I'll see kids walking home from school and that. And I've been shocked and disappointed how many times I've seen these high school kids walking with masks on long after they're out of school. Sometimes when I've gone, gotten up to go to work in the morning, I'll see the same thing. I'll see students going to school and they've all got their masks on. I mean, when, if, if I go into a place like they've, they've got these things where these doctor's offices make you wear a mask here. It's, it's all silly theater. It's one of the few COVID restrictions that I have to deal with. So I slap a mask on when I go in. And uh, I had to go to a, a clinic this week, uh, just briefly, and I had to put a mask on. I went and just, um, just do it. You know, I'm not going to make a big stink out of it. But I tell you what, I don't put it on until I cross the threshold of the door, and I take it off right away as soon as I get out. I'm not keeping that thing on. And it really bothers me when I see some of these teenagers out there wearing this mask like good, obedient, you know, slaves to Big Brother. I mean, where's teenage rebellion when you could actually use it? I mean, you always hear about teenage rebellion, you know, and 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 this type of thing. Now, again, there's a case where a teen, little teenage rebellion actually could do some good. Uh, but instead, you know, so many of them just fold and go along with this and, and obediently wear their mask. It just drives me nuts. It really does. Uh, so, let's see, we've got, uh, we've got uh, Neil Young. He's a, a bogus boomer bad boy. And then, of course, we've got also the case of uh, of Joni Mitchell. And I think it was just, yeah, in fact, it was just today the story was out. Here's a story from CNN. Joni Mitchell says she will follow Neil Young by removing her music from Spotify due to vaccine misinformation. She put a, a little blurb on, on her website, and this article from, from CNN quotes it. And she says this, Irresponsible people are spreading lies that are costing people their lives, the Canadian musician wrote in a statement posted on her website Friday. I stand in solidarity with Neil Young and the global scientific and medical communities on this issue. Well, again, you know, who are the global scientific and medical communities? Dr. Fauci, Bill Gates, the WHO, the Vatican. You know, I, I mean, all of these people that, the, I mean, basically she's on the side of Darth Vader. You know, I, I think it's just so amazing. Somebody like this, I mean, here's, you know, here she is out there and you know, I think they like to envision themselves as though, you know, if you want to use a Star Wars uh, analogy here, they like to think themselves as the plucky rebel alliance, you know, taking on taking on the Empire. Well, Joni Mitchell and Neil Young and, and Howard Stern, these guys are not the rebel alliance. These guys are the Empire, you know, or, or they're basically the Empire stormtroopers. There's nothing plucky or rebellious about anything that they're doing. They are the man and they serve the man. And it's really pretty pathetic. I mean, it'd be one thing if you had, you know, cultivated this image over the last 50 years or so of being, being a, a toady to the corporate elite or something. Uh, but these guys, you know, they, they can say they're, they're the counterculture, you know, they're the rebels, you know, they're these 60s hippies types. Well, you know, you guys are just pathetic. Um, you, you really are. I mean, I'm not trying to say that the 60s, the 60s hippies were great or, you know, the kind of things that went on in the 60s were great. They weren't. But, I mean, if you cultivate this image as if somehow you're this rebel, when you actually have a chance to rebel and do some good and you don't do it, frankly, you just come off as, as pretty lame. And, and I don't know why anybody should listen to them. Now, lest anybody think I'm just picking on boomers, uh, I'm not. I'm actually not a baby boomer. I, I, I'm a, I'm, I actually don't exist. And I didn't know this until not too long ago, but I don't exist. 
I was born in 1966. And the, uh, the, usually the cutoff that they use for the baby boomers is 1964. So I'm like almost a boomer, almost, but I'm not quite. I'd actually be technically Gen X is what they would call me. I'm on the, the sort of the old leading edge of, of Gen X, I suppose. What's kind of interesting about that is like when you read things in the popular press, read articles maybe about business or culture, these kinds of things, they always posit these warring, these two warring tribes. You got the boomers on one hand, they're kind of the old generation. Then you got the millennials on the other hand, and they're kind of the newer, the new kids on the block, and they're always fighting it out and clashing, you know, and, and, and the millennials are saying, okay, boomer, and making fun of their boomer tech, you know, and the boomers are calling the millennials snowflakes and all of this other stuff. But what's interesting is Gen Xers don't even exist. They hardly ever even get mentioned. It's like we're not there. Kind of like my parents' generation. My parents were actually born right before the start of World War II. So they're not boomers either. They, they fall into what they call the silent generation. And I guess the, the silent generation is silent. And then their kids are the same way, <laughs> apparently. I don't know. So uh, neither my brother nor I nor any of my, my um, people, my friends, uh, people I knew when I went to high school, none of us exist. Uh, that's kind of, kind of interesting. So, uh, yeah, so I can sit here and I guess maybe I can, can, uh, can talk, uh, talk trash about the boomers. I don't know. <laughs> and I can talk trash about the millennials and I'm neither one of them. So <laughs> I, I can sit here in my, my safe space, uh, as a Gen Xer that nobody pays any attention to. I know sometimes you, you can make way too much out of the whole generation thing, I, I, I think, but it, it is kind of interesting to see the way people in my age group are usually portrayed in the press as, as almost like, as I say, not even existing. Or if they do talk about them, they always call them the slacker generation or something like that. So I don't know. Maybe I'm a slacker. Maybe that's my problem. <laughs> anyway, um, so what was I talking about here? Oh, yeah, I was talking about boomer COVID heroes. Yeah, there are actually some uh, some boomer musicians who, who are heroes on this. They're actually on the right side of this whole thing. Uh, Eric Clapton is one of them. In fact, there was a, a, a story run. It ran in the Washington Post. This was from back in November of 2021, so just a few months ago. The headline is, what happened to Eric Clapton? The guitar legend has long been inscrutable, but his COVID turn has friends and fans puzzled like never before. And here the, the article goes, Robert Cray was stunned when he first heard Stand and Deliver. Eric Clapton, his one-time musical hero who became a mentor and friend, had released his first protest song of 56 years of recording. Only it wasn't about George Floyd or global warming. Clapton's mid-temper shuffle... A collaboration with Van Morrison, and there's another boomer rocker, released in December, went full anti-lockdown. Taking aim at the government for trying to control a global pandemic by temporarily shuttering restaurants, gyms, and concert halls. And it says what gra grabbed Cray's attention was the second verse. Do you want to be a free man, or do you want to be a slave? Do you want to be a free man, or do you want to be a slave? Do you want to wear these chains until you're lying in the grave? Well, you know what? I, I think those are pretty good questions. Uh, Robert Quay, and, and he's, he's black, but he, he wanted to, he was raising an issue. Well, how, how could he compare this whole COVID lockdown thing to slavery? Well, actually pretty easily. I mean, both, uh, slavery in the, in the, uh, form that it was practiced in the United States prior to the, the Civil War and the, uh, the lockdowns are, they, they do have some things in common. Now, I mean, slavery is more extreme. I mean, that's certainly true, but some of the elements are married. There's, there's the authoritarianism, really uh, hardcore government control, not just the controls that are put in place, but the controls that are threatened to be put in place going forward. And yes, I mean, you've, you've got, in fact, the, the World Economic Forum, which sees all of this COVID stuff as part of the Great Reset. The World Economic Forum says that by the year 2030, you're owned nothing. 
Well, that's kind of like being a slave, isn't it? If you don't own any property, if you can't, don't own or can't own property, well, somebody owns it. It's not you. You know, I guess it'll be Klaus Schwab and Bill Gates and all their, their globalist buddies will own everything. And I guess you and I can just ask permission for everything. Well, that's kind of like being a slave. And it, it kind of appears at any rate that this whole thing with COVID is all about helping usher in that kind of a dystopian, technocratic, top-down, um, slave kind of society. So no, I, I think Eric Clapton and Van Morrison are absolutely right to talk in those terms. So anyway, yeah, there's a, that, that other, in fact, maybe it was in this article. I, I saw it somewhere where Eric Clapton was talking about he, he will not even appear at at concert venues that require vaccines and, and some other things. So yeah, I think it's wonderful that, that Eric Clapton has stood up. You know, props to him. Good for him. Eric Clapton and Van Morrison were not deceived. Now, I, I don't know if they're necessarily Christians. I'm not saying that they are, but they weren't deceived. And you know, that's good for them. You know, who knows? Maybe, uh, maybe the Lord's working on them. I don't know. But I mean, it's, it's wonderful to see people in that situation stand up and say, Hey, we're not going along with this. Good for them. Good for them. I mean, they, they could simply have taken their millions and, you know, uh, gone along to get along or just stayed out of the public eye, but they've actually stood up. They stood up for liberty. You know, and, and I, I, I think I have nothing but praise for them and their stance on, uh, on COVID. Well, here's another thing on COVID since we're continuing with that theme is Pope Francis. So let's see. Good old Pope Francis or good old Jesuit Antichrist Pope here. And what does he have to say here? Okay. So here's one story. It's uh, Here's the headline. It says, Pope Francis, and this is also from the New York Times, it says, Pope Francis says access to truthful information on vaccines is a human right. Well, you know, actually, I would agree with that. Um, you know, it depends on, I, I suppose, you know, how you define truthful information. And I, and I think, of course, that's that's really where the, the ambiguity lies, is on the term truthful information, because, of course, the Pope is a big pusher of vaccines, and, and he has been the, the whole time. You know, he's a Jesuit. It's kind of amazing how many Jesuits are out there pushing vaccine mandates, vaccine passports, and all of the ugly authoritarian stuff that goes along with vaccines. You know, a, an organization that's really done a, a great job covering that has been uh, Berean Beacon. I've mentioned that before. That's actually an, an organization that, that I support. It's the organization. Uh, it's an evangelistic organization that was started by a former Roman Catholic priest, Richard Bennett. He was born in Ireland. He was a Catholic priest, I think, for like 28 years or, or something like that. And and he was saved, and he came out of Rome, and he ran this this wonderful ministry that's uh, it's still continuing, even though he uh, he went to be with the Lord, I think, about two years ago now. And uh, they're continuing that work, and they've done some really good work talking about the connection between the Jesuits and 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 COVID, the whole COVID crisis, and and the vaccine mandates and all this stuff. And of course, Pope Francis has been very aggressive in in pushing vaccine mandates. Now, what was interesting here is he made these comments this week, and he did so at a. Uh, it says. Uh, he did so. He was talking to members of the International Catholic Media Consortium on COVID-19 vaccines. And there's a link provided there in the, the New York Times article. And it takes you to this page. It's called CatholicFactChecking.com. When you go on this page, you'll see a number of stories on here dealing with support of, of the whole COVID vaccine program. Like here's, here's one here. Five recommendations by Caritas Internationalis. To support the global vaccine campaign, here's another one. The natural immunity against COVID-19 is not a thousand million times more effective than the one acquired after vaccination. 
And there's some other stuff on there. But the one that, that really uh, kind of caught my attention is, is actually this, this story at the top of the page. It says, the three most important elements for creating a moral judgment on the vaccines. And this article is actually behind a paywall, so you can't read all of it. Like if you click on it, you see it'll it'll bring up and you've got to, got to log in. And I, I don't have a login. But even just the little blurb that they have on there, it's actually pretty interesting. Let me read this for you. It's by somebody named Isabella H. de uh, Cavallo. And it reads this. It says, The Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith published a note in December 2020 affirming that it was morally acceptable to receive the COVID-19 vaccines and reiterating that this choice should be voluntary. Almost a year after this document was published, though, many Catholics are still debating and have questions of whether the inoculations are or should be a moral obligation. So I guess they want to set the record straight. But here's what I want to tell you, and this is the thing that's really interesting here. Note here where she says the, the congregation of the doctrine of the faith. That's actually slightly incorrect. The, the name of the organization is not the congregation of the doctrine of the faith. It's the congregation for the doctrine of the faith. Now, I've talked about this particular organization within Rome before. This is a very prominent uh, organization within the Roman Catholic Church, and it's a very old organization within the Roman Catholic Church. And the name that's going by now is not the original name that it had. The, the original name for the organization called the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith is something quite different. The original name was the Supreme Sacred Congregation of the Roman and Universal Inquisition. So yeah, it's it's the Inquisition uh, that's uh, lurking behind this. So so uh, you know the the Inquisition, the Roman Catholic Supreme Sacred Universal Inquisition has given us a position paper uh, that basically says the vaccines are pretty awesome. And and here's the here's the the article here. It says note on the morality of using some anti COVID nineteen vac vaccines, and they they go through all of this and and they they kind of reason through it, but basically. You know, the, the summary that was given here on catholicfactchecking.com, the, the summary, the, I guess the summary of, of the whole article that was written by the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith is that the vaccines are morally acceptable. So, you know, there you go. You take it from the, the Inquisition. <laughs> the vaccines are just awesome. They're wonderful. It, it's, it's one of the things that, and I've mentioned this before, it's always kind of interesting to me when I, when I research the Roman Catholic Church and the stuff that you come up with in the process of researching the Roman Catholic Church always just is jaw dropping to me. And, and sometimes it's actually kind of funny. When I, when I come across an article talking about the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, I always think of that. There's that skit that Monty Python did years ago. Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition, you know? And, and I guess, uh, it, it seems like these guys pop up in all the weirdest places. So you didn't think maybe that the, the Inquisition was still around, but oh yeah, they are. They're just doing business under a different name. But just be, be comforted by the fact that the Inquisition thinks that the, the COVID vaccines are morally acceptable. Well, that settles it for me. Um, not. <laughs> yeah, in fact, I would say that that's one of those things where if those guys are for it, it's probably a pretty good idea, pretty pretty good indication that whatever they're for is probably a really bad idea. And uh, we'll leave it at that for now. So let's see, what else do we have here? Oh, yeah, it, it's interesting, you know, in this article, some of these comments that were made by the Pope. Oh, here it is. This is an article by one of my... 
has become one of my standby favorite writers on Rome. Now, he, he's actually a, a former Roman Catholic priest. As far as I know, he probably is still a Roman Catholic, but I think he does some really good reporting on Rome. Uh, and he works for Breitbart. His name's Thomas D. Williams, PhD. And I actually follow him on Twitter. He's got his own Twitter feed. And it, it, it gives me an opportunity to just kind of alerts me to different stories that he's written because he provides links to all of his stories. And he usually writes uh, several stories a week dealing specifically with uh, Pope Francis or things in the Roman Catholic Church. And it's a, a pretty good uh, summary of, of the... Uh, of what Pope Francis is doing and thinking. And he writes quite a bit on, on COVID. Like, for instance, here, this is an article. This is actually from January 13th. This is a couple weeks back, but here's the headline. Vatican threatens unvaccinated employees as Pope Francis laments layoffs. In the in the most recent article, in fact, I think it was in that, that Reuters story here, if you read through it, you know, the Pope says, oh, you know, we shouldn't be be putting those, the, the unvaccinated, into ghettos. You know, we shouldn't be doing this kind of thing. But then, of course, that's exactly what he does with his mandates, because the the Vatican has been very adamant that if someone who's a, an employee of, of the Vatican is not vaccinated, they cannot come to work. And there have been people that actually quit. In fact, there were some members, I think maybe three, at least three members of the, the famous Swiss guards quit their jobs because uh, they would not receive the vaccine. So, I mean, there's Pope Francis putting people in the unemployed ghetto. With uh, with his uh, with his uh, vaccine mandates, his maniacal vaccine mandates, and let's see, we got anything else here? It looks like well, I think that's that's about. Uh, there's some other stories here, but I don't want to go too long on this particular issue. So let's uh, go ahead and move on. Um, medical news. Now, this is something that was is pretty interesting here. There were, I think, several developments this past week on COVID that were pretty interesting and I think well worth taking your time to to review some stories. Here's one of them. This is a this was put out this was an interview put out by Steve Kirsch. He's an investigative reporter. He's, he's got a, a a Substack newsletter that I subscribe to. And he puts out some good stuff. Now here's one. This is an interview he did with a a nurse, an ICU nurse. Her name's uh, Tony uh I uh, was what Butner Tony Butner, RN, observed a 10 times increase in the rate of myocarditis after the vaccines rolled out. So, and, and she talks about this. This is an interview. It's about a 10-minute interview. I'm not going to play it here, but I will put a link into it, in the sh- in, link for it in the show notes. You may want to check that out. It's very interesting to hear her, her commentary on things that she's seen as, a, as an ICU nurse. Then there was a second story. Oh, and by the way, myocarditis, you know, I never really knew much about myocarditis. I'd, I'd heard about it, but now that this has become kind of a thing in uh, a thing with young people, especially young men uh, who have taken the, the COVID vaccine, it's a very serious condition. In fact, it, what I, from what I have read, that 50% of the people with myocarditis die within five years. So it, it may be that someone gets myocarditis and maybe they live for now, but there's a good chance they may not live much longer uh, or they may need a, a heart transplant uh, if, if they do want to continue living. It's a very serious condition. And it's something that has been brought about by these vaccines. All these vaccines that all the scientists tell us we absolutely have to take and they're safe and effective. Well, nonsense. They're not safe. Uh, and they're not effective either. And I'm going to get to a story. There's a, an Alex Berenson story here that I'm going to get to in just a minute where he, he talks about even more data as if we need it anymore. But uh, there are even more data showing just how ineffective these vaccines really are. Now, the, the second story I, I wanted to share with you, and again, I'm going to put a, a link in the show notes to this. 
this is from uh, Stu Peters, and it says, uh, Worldwide exclusive, embalmers find veins and arteries filled with never-before-seen rubbery clots. Uh, this is actually something that my dad sent to me. I watched that video this afternoon. I was just appalled by it. And this is an interview. It's between a doctor. Uh, her name's Jane Ruby and a, an embalmer. Now, somebody who does this for a living, he's certified and done this for, I guess, about 20 years or so. And he talks about some of these clots that people are getting. He can't even embalm them. Uh, he has to remove these clots. And then these clots have this weird, it's a sort of uh, fibrous, kind of a white fibrous a clotty material that he's never seen before. And at one point in the interview, he, you know, he talked about this and he said he's talked with some of his colleagues and they're seeing this for the first time too. And the supposition is that this is something that's being caused by, uh, by the vaccine because this is only showing up apparently in people who, uh, in bodies of people who were vaccinated. And again, it's, it's not that long of a year. It's maybe about a 15 minute interview or so, but it, it's, um, it's pretty shocking to to see this uh, to see this interview so I'll go ahead and again I'll put that in the show notes for you now I mentioned that Alex Berenson had an article out and uh, Alex Berenson if you watch say if you watch Tucker Carlson you've probably seen Alex Berenson over the last few months he's been on Fox News quite a bit now he, he's kind of an interesting guy you know he was I, I don't know a lot about him I, I do know he was a a New York Times reporter for a number of years I know he's from New York he's probably a liberal on on a lot of things but he's done really some very, very fine work on, on COVID and, and really kind of ferreting out a lot of the COVID nonsense. And he had a very stark uh, appearance. He, he was on Tucker Carlson, I think maybe it was like Tuesday or something. It was like earlier this week. And, and he delivered a very stark warning. The, uh, and, and this is an art. This was the article actually he talked about. And you can see the headline on this. It says, Israel is overrun with COVID. The vaccines have failed. The experiment must stop. And what he does is he goes through and he talks about the data from Israel. And Israel is a really great, well, maybe not if you're an Israeli, it's maybe not so great. But in terms of if you want to find out, see what the effects of the vaccines are, it probably provides the best data because they have been the most aggressive of any nation in terms of vaccinating their population. I'm not going to read through all this. Again, I'll put some of this, I will put this in the in the show notes. It's a somewhat longish article, but it's uh, it's actually quite good. And as I said, he, he concludes, you know, these vaccines are dangerous, they're not working, and the experiment has to stop. In fact, I'll just read the final paragraph here. He says this, Judged solely on the basis of last year's efficacy data, the mRNA vaccines are a failed product and should be withdrawn. Now, last year's data, of course, is the most recent because, you know, it's just the data he's working with is, is for 2021, and we've got that complete data going all the way up through toward the end of 2021. Israel is, is having COVID cases go through the roof. And they're the most vaccinated nation on earth. And he says the mRNA vaccines are a failed product and should be withdrawn. Any future mRNA vaccines against the uh, Omicron variant or any other target need to be tested for safety and efficacy in a large-scale clinical trial for years. Not months, years. This kind of billion-person experiment must never happen again. Amen to all of that. It's over, okay? This is what Berenson says. We didn't get the Hollywood ending. Science didn't win. That's a, kind of a takeoff on uh, Pfizer has this, I, I don't know, they've had this logo. Science will win. You can see it there on the live stream. Science will win. Well, not in this case. In fact, he says Pfizer was wrong. Science didn't win. Biology won. But Pfizer's still uh, dedicated to pushing out the propaganda. And finally, here's a, oh, in fact, oh, one other thing I wanted to mention about that. Substack has now become, has now come under pressure. 
interesting. The uh, you know Substack is, in fact, I, I've been publishing a newsletter. I haven't really uh, advertised that, but I've been actually publishing all of my blog posts and my uh, and my uh, my videos. I've been actually publishing those out to to Substack as well as publishing them out to the the blog that I've had, the Looks uh, Looks Lucid blog on on WordPress. I started doing that back in September just to kind of experiment around with the. Uh, uh, with the platform, I know it's been growing quite a bit. And one of the nice things about Substack, or one of the big selling points on it for a long time, has been that it is a free speech platform. You know, you get crackdowns on all of these other platforms, but Substack has been really dedicated to giving authors, uh, canceled authors, a home. Alex Berenson got kicked off of Twitter a few months back, uh, permanently banned. He and some others, and, and they've been able to go over to Substack and, and to write and to you know build a, a community, build a, a following over on Substack. Uh, Substack now is apparently coming under pressure. And this is one of the things that Alex Berenson, in fact, he talked about this, that this week. And that reminds me, let me see if I can find this. The great and powerful Chelsea Clinton was out, in fact, leading the charge, piling on to onto Substack. Oh, I do know what's going on. You know what the problem is, is I get on this computer and I've got, I don't, I'm not logged in as uh, using my own Twitter account. And I keep meaning to get out of that and get myself into my regular Twitter account. So frustrating. Anyway, I'm sorry about that, but there was a, a tweet that was put out by, by Chelsea Clinton where she was, uh, was complaining about, the, uh, about Substack. And she was complaining about, oh, people like Alex Berenson are going out and they're making million dollars or something like this. I, I don't know if he's making that much person, but she, was, she was, threw out a figure like $2.5 million and saying all of these, these people spreading COVID misinformation are making $2.5 million a year on, on Substack and we need to censor this. And oh my goodness, you know, and the alarm bells are going off and, and all this. And of course, you know, Chelsea Clinton, she's not worried about her buddies in the in the vaccine industry, making billions upon billions upon billions of dollars in profit on unsafe vaccines that are killing people uh, and, and that are also ineffective at the same time. And not only are they making billions of dollars, but at least in the United States, I think this is probably true around the world, we have these vaccines, so-called vaccines, inoculations, maybe would be a better term, uh, or injections. These these injections, these, these you know, like the the BioNTech and, and the Moderna uh, injections, they are being given under what's called emergency, youth author, emergency use authorization, which means that these drug companies making billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars in profits are not liable for any of the, the damage they do to people. So if you get this injection, if you're maimed, if you're killed, you or your family have no recourse. You can't go to Pfizer. You can't go to Moderna. You can't go to J&J and say, hey, you guys injured me with a defective product. You can't do that. You, you have zero recourse, which makes these mandates even more evil. Because you're mandating people get an experimental medical procedure against which they have no, no recourse if something goes wrong. I mean, you wouldn't buy a toaster oven. I don't think, if it didn't have a warranty on it. But the government thinks nothing about forcing people to in, be injected with a substance um, which the companies that, that make it will not stand behind. And it can, it can seriously injure you or kill you, and you have no recourse. But, uh, but Chelsea Clinton's not worried about that. She is very worried, though, about somebody like Alex Berenson actually making money for all the hard work he does on Substack. Yeah, that's uh, we, we know we're... We know where Chelsea Clinton is. You know, she's right up there with, with Neil Young and, and Joni Mitchell and Howard Stern. I guess maybe they can all get together and, 
denounce the, uh, the great unwashed masses who have the temerity to question the COVID vaccines. All right, so the last thing I wanted to cover here tonight before we get too long, let's see, what are we running up against? Eh, it's almost 50 minutes. I guess we got a, a few more minutes we can go here. The, uh, the last thing I wanted to mention was the, the Freedom Convoy. This is a, kind of a positive story. You know, we get so much that's so uh, frustrating on, uh, on COVID and so many things. You know, it, it can be, you know, you start talking about this stuff and it just seems like it's just nothing but a steady stream of bad news and almost makes you just want to give up sometimes. But uh, God is sovereign. You know, we know that. And, and it's, it's wonderful to see some, uh, some pushback, maybe where you didn't necessarily expect it to come from. And so I want to talk a little bit briefly in closing here about the Freedom Convoy. And that is the, the Canadian truckers standing up against the, the COVID tyranny in Canada. And what's interesting, here's a, an article. This is from Global News. This is a Canadian organization. And it says, a fringe minority in truck convoy with unacceptable views don't represent Canadians, Trudeau. And when you read through here, there, there's this big convoy. It's several hundred miles long. I don't know. It's what, I don't know how many trucks. It's a lot. It's like a record setting convoy of trucks that traveled from, I believe it was British Columbia and Western Canada. They drove all the way to Ottawa. And I think they got to Ottawa today, the capital of Canada. Well, this is from a few days ago. This is from the 26th. And while these truckers were en in, in route, I guess uh, Trudeau, Justin Trudeau, got up there and he gave this press conference and he called him a, a fringe minority. And they hold unacceptable views. It's unacceptable, dear fellow, not to want to be injected with an experimental vaccine that can kill you, uh, at least in his eyes. That, that's an amazing thing. You know, I used to wonder when I was a kid sometimes about how tyranny could come to countries, you know, how you could have horrible regimes like you know, say the communists in the Soviet Union or the Nazis in, in Germany or, or maybe going back in history. You know, you think about some really arrogant people that, that existed back in history. You know, you think about, oh, maybe Marie Antoinette. You know, let them eat cake. I had a friend of mine tell me that you, know, you could actually translate what she said as let them eat brioche. I don't know if that's true or not, but I haven't looked at the quote myself. <laughs> it's kind of interesting to think about. But I love the meat cake is, is I think, a, an acceptable translation. It really kind of captures the, the idea of what she said. It sort of is very dismissive. Oh, you know, they're just the peasantry. Let them go eat cake and, uh, and get out of our hair. So, yeah, you've got this Justin Trudeau fellow. He says they have unacceptable views. Well, that they disagree with him and have very good reason for doing so. And let's see, here's another story. This is from, oh, this is a, this is from Reuters. And I think this is kind of interesting for a couple reasons. The headline, it says, anti-vaccine Canada truckers roll toward Ottawa, praised by Tesla's Musk, which is kind of interesting. So let's read, read this here. It says, Ottawa, January 27th, Reuters. Canadian truck drivers determined to shut down central Ottawa uh, over a federal government vaccine mandate rolled across the country toward the capital on Thursday, boosted by praise from Tesla chief executive Elon Musk. The protesters are unhappy that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's liberal government has imposed a COVID-19 vaccine mandate for cross-border truck drivers. So if they come into the United States or they come back into Canada, if they cross the U.S.-Canadian border, they have to be vaccinated. Industry officials say 90% of truckers traversing the U.S. frontier are inoculated, but a minority have refused, saying the mandate contravenes personal freedom. Now, I have a hard time believing that, that it would be be 90%, if only because there's such a, a ruckus that's been stirred up uh, over this thing. You know, the, those are government numbers, and I'm always skeptical of government numbers. So, I mean, who knows? I mean, it's, it's possible, but, you know, I, I kind of take that 90% figure with a bit of a grain of salt. 
Uh, so here was was a comment from Musk. Canadian Truckers Rule tweeted Musk, who in September 2020 said he would not get vaccinated for COVID-19 on the grounds that he and his family were not at risk. Hundreds of truckers converging on Ottawa from several directions are due to arrive on Friday and aim to park their rigs on Parliament Hill, paralyzing downtown traffic. Anyway, I guess one of the reasons I mentioned this particular article that kind of caught my my eye was some of the comments from from Elon Musk. Of course, Elon Musk is a multi-billionaire. He's one of the richest men in the United States, one of the richest men in the world. And, you know, someone who's, I mean, obviously he's extraordinarily prominent in, in business and in finance. And it's kind of interesting because he he seems like he's a little bit of a, of a rebel at times. You know, there's a guy that you know certainly is is plugged into to the world system that we have, and yet he seems to from time to time come up with a stance that that kind of leaves at least surprises me. I wouldn't expect somebody in his position to to say those kinds of things. I mean, could you see Bill Gates saying something like that? You know, I don't think so. Bill Gates wants to jab everything that moves. And, and so do these other billionaire types, you know, these master of the universe types. You know, I think of guys like George Soros, for example, or, or some other people. I mean, they love pushing these vaccines. But here's, here's Elon Musk. You know, he at least seems to have a certain openness to liberty, to personal liberty. I, I don't know a great deal about him, but I at least appreciate that. And it, it's good to see somebody in his position standing up and speaking out about that. That's very helpful to, you know, maybe you might say have friends in high places. So anyway, good for Elon Musk. I'm glad that he took the stance that he did there. Well, that about wraps things up for this week. So thanks so much for for spending your time with me here. Really uh, always enjoy being able to do this program every week. And I hope you got something out of it. Until next time we talk, may the spirit of truth guide you in all truth as you read and study God's word.